On this episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast, we recap the biggest names selected in the NWSL draft, weigh in on the Copa Libertadores tournament, which had maybe the wildest halves of soccer we've ever seen. Plus, as Laton returns to the pitch, so too does our Zlatan quote of the week. Hello and welcome to the Nesson Soccer Podcast. I am Mark along with Marcus. And Marcus, how are you doing today? Uh, great. Good. I hope you're going to be doing better by the end of the show because we are going to be talking the NWSL draft, the Copa Libertadores semifinals and upcoming final, and Mauricio Pochettino going to PSG, immediately winning a trophy. Plus, we got his lots on quarter of the week and our games of the weekend, which are two big time matchups. So, a lot. We're going to go like rapid fire with a few different topics in this show. And we will start with the 2021 NWSL draft, which took place this week. Marcus, uh, you wanted to make sure we got this in the show. Um, you know, what, what were your biggest takeaways from the NWSL draft this year? That uh, the NWSL is it's changing. There are two new teams coming in, and there are it more ties into the larger year that is in uh, women's soccer. We talked about it a little bit last week's episode, where we, you know, we're talking about the uh, U.S. women playing in the She Believes Cup and uh, the Olympics, of course, later on this year, but. The NWSL was sort of the first, NWSL draft was the first big uh, event of the women's soccer calendar. And uh, what we had, it was pretty interesting. Lots of trades, some uh, allocation money being thrown around. I don't want to get into the uh, minutiae of the league rules, but uh, we can go through the first three picks. Uh, Emily Fox went number one overall. She's a U, uh, University of North Carolina defender also currently uh, playing with the U.S. women's national team camps. And uh, she's a fullback, uh, can play on either side. She went number one overall to Racing Louisville. Number two overall pick, this one is actually making headlines around the world because it's a young woman named Trinity Rodman. Have you ever heard of her? I have now. (laughs) Trinity Rodman is the daughter of NBA legend Dennis Rodman. And she is the uh, she's the number nine on uh, the U.S. women's under 20 national team goal scorer. Uh, she plays center forward, only 18 years old. She made history as the youngest ever NWSL draft pick. She is or I'm not sure if she's withdrawn, but uh, as of uh, last month, she was a freshman at Washington State, but she never played uh, college ball because the coronavirus pandemic forced right. uh, the Pac-12 to move their season to the spring. NWSL draft picks had a uh, they had a choice on whether they could. Um, some can play their college season. Some will go pro immediately. Trinity Rodman, Dennis Rodman's daughter, has uh, decided to go pro right away uh, because she wants to make a name for herself. And uh, I actually just wrote about it before we record here, but. Uh, you know, it's, she didn't use these words, but I said to a, play her way out of her father's large sporting shadow. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see 
where her career goes, how quickly, yeah. if at all, she breaks into the U.S. women's national team picture, uh, because that is a little bit of star power that, right. you know, the NWSL, uh, really any league could use, uh, having somebody who's that famous. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, Dennis Rodman was, uh, as well as being a uh, Hall of Fame level basketball player, was an <laughs> international superstar. Um, yeah. You know, if there's one uh, American who can go to North Korea and sit next to <laughs> Kim Jong-un, it's Dennis Rodman. Um, <laughs> so uh, that that's very interesting. And then uh, the Sky Blue FC, they, uh, they picked Brianna Pinto with the number three overall pick. But uh, yeah, I wanted to bring our listeners up to speed on the latest in the NWSL. They are uh, their season is tentatively scheduled to start in April. Yeah, Marcus uh, Trinity Rodman is uh, unfortunately right now making such a big splash because of her father Dennis Rodman. But I hope that there can be kind of the healthy blend of Trinity Rodman kind of advancing her career, getting in on a regular basis with the women's senior national team. And, you know, scoring goals for the U.S. in big games while also maybe getting some some passionate Dennis Rodman, happiest father in the stadium shots, uh, watching the games. If, if, if that can take place, I think a, a lot of America will be very excited to just watch that family affair unfold. Um, but, yeah, I think also in general, you know, a little bit of credit to the NWSL. I thought coverage and exposure of this draft was a lot more at the forefront. Uh, maybe Trinity Rodman had a lot to do with that happening, but I was fully aware of this taking place. And it, it, to be completely honest, uh, for the first time, I, I don't remember in 2020 or 2019 or 2018 really being aware that the NWSL draft had gone down and that new players were going to be entering the league. So certainly on the rise there. But as we said, we're going to be moving quickly in this podcast. Uh, so we're going to move right on to the Copa Libertadores. Big time rivalries in the semifinals again. I got to tell you, Marcus, each year I get more and more interested in the Copa Libertadores as I begin to, I guess, educate myself more so on South American club soccer, which aside from the players just simply maybe not being of the same quality as European leagues, they have everything else that might be even better as far as just rivalry, passion, what it means to the communities and the players themselves and the coaches. I mean, it seems like everybody is just having the time of their lives, uh, which has gotten me more and more into the Copa Libertadores. Yeah, the Copa Libertadores is, um, you know, this is maybe the second year that uh, BN Sports is showing it uh, or broadcasting the game in uh, the games in English. I think 2020 was actually the first year where they had uh, the English language broadcast rights and really played it up, really promoted it. Yes, wonderful tournament. It's South America's equivalent of the uh, Champions League and... I would say at the highest level, the teams aren't as strong as those in Europe. Maybe the games involving the top European teams uh, have more quality than your 
Copa Libertadores knockout games. And simple reason why is because European Europe buys and acquires the best players, many of them South American, uh, which weakens the South American teams. But Mm -hmm. the two semifinals that took place over the last week were actually rather incredible for two reasons. Uh, The first was uh, this past Tuesday, the second leg between Palmeiras and River Plate. This game took place in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Palmeiras had a 3-0 lead after thrashing River Plate in Argentina. So what happens? River Plate scores two goals, uh, I believe, Mm -hmm. in the first half. And then the second half was one of the wildest (laughs) halves of soccer I've ever seen. Um, I think River had uh, two goals disallowed. Uh, rightfully so, actually, uh, due to VAR. But uh, in terms of drama, uh, tension, and just chaos, uh, the the Champions League just didn't have didn't really have anything that could rival what we saw. Um, you know, it was almost it almost got a little comical in the second half, and uh, you know, where whereas. I assumed it was going to be a uh, sort of a walk in the park for Palmeiras. Those two early goals created an entertainment value that just uh, that that was unmatched. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it was the first great soccer game that I saw in uh, 2021. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw. Did you end up uh, watching it at all? Yeah, I was watching. Um admittedly while I'm, I'm moving apartments this week. So I am you know, packing and I'm, I, the game's on and, you know, so in that sense, yes, I watched. <laughs> but if you were packing and moving, you weren't watching. I true. Guilty. Anyway. Guilty. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you missed out and anybody else uh, that didn't see it missed out. Palmeiras goes through to the final. Now Santos plays Boca juniors in the uh, second leg. Oh, sorry, the second leg of the other semifinal. This one finished 0-0 goalless after the first leg. This is the club of Pele Santos against the club of Diego Maradona, Boca Juniors. I'm thinking this game is going to be on a knife edge uh, taking place in in Buenos Aires at uh, La Bombonera, Boca Juniors' famous stadium. It was empty. Boca Juniors came out flat. Uh, They conceded early. They conceded uh, in the middle of the game and then conceded late and then got a man sent off. It was, uh, you know, it was really the game I was looking forward to. But, you know, due to Boca Juniors not really showing up, Santos scoring that early goal and uh, Boca just having no response whatsoever seemed to be that walkthrough that I expected Palmeiras to enjoy. Uh, But tough week for... uh, Argentina's leading teams, big week for Brazil, Brazil's leading teams, and Palmeiras and Santos will meet on January 30th at Maracanã in a one-off Copa Libertadores final. Uh, so that'll be a big one. I'll be watching. You should. You'll. Uh, will you be moved by then, or is that? Uh... I'll be moved. I will 100% watch that match. Oh, good, good. Then uh, we can talk about it in uh, in early February after it happens. Can't wait for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you were kind of touching on it, Marcus, as I already said, that you don't really have to know much about the clubs uh, or even the players. And as 
year to year. Like if somebody comes out in the Brazilian Serie A and the Copa Libertadores and is scoring a ton of goals and is making a name for himself, it's likely that very soon a European club somewhere will scoop him up. Um, and it, so it's kind of like this proving ground, but like the most intense of proving grounds that you could ever imagine. Yeah. Um, so that is, I guess, in essence, what is so great about it. Um, but moving on to the biggest, I guess, uh, big picture news that took place in world soccer this past week, Mauricio Pochettino has become the manager of PSG um, after, I guess, almost two years without being a head coach anywhere. Uh, a little over his, one year. A little over one year. So he was with Tottenham for about five years. That ended in 2019. Uh, sat out all of 2020, probably the best thing to do. And, uh, of course, you know, he, he takes over at PSG and they've got themselves a cup match uh, or a trophy match, I guess you should say, right off the bat. And PSG goes out and wins, beats Marseille for the – I don't even know the name of this trophy. Just I think that uh, was the French Super Cup. French Super Cup. Yeah, um, which uh... – Is the winner of, the, of Ligue 1 and uh, the Domestic Cup. Uh, the year after <laughs> there's so many trophies going around, but yeah, this is a game that would have been played in uh, August had, uh -huh. um, you know, had uh, the coronavirus pandemic not curtailed the previous season and PSG was playing in the, uh, into the champions league and then league one league on started up right away. So they basically had to fit this game in wherever they could on the calendar. And they did. It just so happens it was Pochettino's, uh, I don't know if it was his first game or one of their earliest games in charge. Yeah. But they beat uh, Olympique Marseille 2-1. Goals from Mauro Icardi and Neymar. Uh, Dimitri Payet scored for Marseille with, uh, I think, one minute remaining in normal time. But too little, too late. Uh, yeah, it's a trophy for Pochettino. And... I'm going to just come out and say it the least important trophy he could win, but <laughs> very still, true. Yeah. He's still uh, better you know, than not winning it. <laughs> exactly. Because not, not winning it. Uh, you know, it was only his third game in charge, but not winning it would have, you know, raised a few eyebrows. And, right. Know, well, been like, let me ask you this, Marcus. Um, you bring in Pochettino. He's a big name in, managers around the world uh but you look at psg it's Kylian mbappe it's neymar they're linked in every major player transfer rumor most recently and i think personally i don't see it happening but Lionel messi has been linked to psg um, among some other clubs uh but what what is the biggest reason for why you would bring in pochettino what's what's his biggest plus i guess well, uh, one, he is a name. Uh, he's a he, he's one of the uh, superstar coaches. Uh, whether he deserves that billing or not is uh, debatable. <laughs> but what he did at Tottenham was impressive, taking them to the brink of the Champions League, uh, maybe a title challenge or two in his five years, and uh, took the you know a lot of their players were. Um, 
either castoffs or they were up up and comers. Um, they weren't team. They weren't players you would have expected to be competing at the top end of the Premier League and the Champions League. Uh, Pochettino deserves lots of credit for doing that, and his stock shot through the roof uh, due to his performance in that job. And uh, what happened was that when Tottenham fired him, and make no mistake about it, hmm. they might have called it a parting of ways by mutual consent, but Tottenham fired him because the team was, uh, you know, they, they seemed to be fraying uh, early last season, maybe not quite going belly up yet, but they were really struggling. They struggled through November, I think it was. Maybe he was fired in mid-November. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his stock was, although his stock took a hit at that point, he was still probably the most in-demand manager uh, in Europe. He was linked to Real Madrid, linked to Barcelona. Uh, Bayern Munich probably wanted to talk to him as well. Uh, but in terms of timing, you know, he really, he said that he was going to sit out and wait for the right project to come along. Uh, if you want a project, where better than PSG, who have all the money in the world to do uh, pretty much whatever, uh, whatever the club wants. Yeah. Uh, now I say the club wants because this is where it gets interesting. PSG is the kind of place where Pochettino's not going to go in and control what happens um, on the. I mean, he can control what happens on the field, but in terms of uh, you know running the club from a uh, an academy. Uh, you know, the academy direction, running the club, uh, transfers, controlling the budgets. I have a feeling that Pochettino was brought in more as a head coach uh, rather than a manager who fully controls all the workings of that institution. So, yeah, Thomas Tuchel, when he was fired, he talked about uh, his job being uh, shortly before he was fired. Uh, and it was really the final straw and the kiss of death saying that the job was a little too political. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where Pochettino, how Pochettino navigates that aspect, because right. he, uh, he is known to be headstrong and he's known to uh, he has such a cachet that uh, he's going to come in and make uh, he's going to make demands and whether. PSG's power brokers meet those demands. Uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. Do you think it makes he makes it more likely or less likely, or doesn't change at all the possibility of Messi going to PSG? Uh, I would say doesn't change it at all um, because he's not going there. <laughs> No, because the recruitment of Messi takes place uh, way above Pochettino's mm -hmm. head. Um, you know, when when PSG is considering what kind of investment to make in that single player, uh, Pochettino's not going to be, he's not controlling the purse strings like that. And he's, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he's going to make that call. But good question, Mark, um, because <laughs> it's not... Uh, it's not clear whether that I, I would think due to their shared nationality, Pochettino's from Argentina, Messi's from Argentina, uh, they will be, um, there could be a kinship slash camaraderie. Uh, I think P Messi would be more likely to come in and play for 
an Argentinian coach than a German coach at PSG. Um, mm -hmm. You know, probably a higher comfort level there. But uh, in terms of recruitment, I think it's really Messi's choice. Um, and the attractiveness of PSG's financial offer, I don't think that changes in any way with Pochettino's arrival. Right. Well, it's interesting to note that PSG and Barcelona are matched up in the Champions League round of 16. So we'll get two matches between the two clubs, which is sure to lead to many articles from outlets around the world um, giving the latest on Messi transfer rumors, Neymar transfer rumors. Uh, but as of right now, PSG is tied for second place on 39 points in Ligue 1. One point back of Lyon, who has 40 points. So a bit of a race in Ligon for Pochettino to establish himself and, and get PSG to pull away from the pack there. But uh, for PSG, we know it's all about the Champions League. So that's, that's right. where Pochettino really has to succeed. But we'll see how that unfolds. It's certainly uh, going to be interesting, no doubt about it. Let's move on, though, to our Zlatan quote of the week now just to give everybody a quick recap on the life of Zlatan in the in recent weeks he, he had been out with injury for some time and finally returned on Saturday January 9th where he subbed on in the 85th minute as Milan beat Torino two to nothing then on Tuesday the 12th he started for Milan in the Coppa Italia round of 16 also versus Torino uh, Milan would end up winning that game on penalties after a 0-0 draw through 120 minutes. They won 5-4 on the penalties. But Zlatan was subbed off at halftime. Uh -oh. so, yeah, but he's slowly working himself up to hopefully getting, you know, 60-plus minutes of action regularly. Uh, but this kind of brings me to my Zlatan quote of the week, which wasn't by Zlatan, but it was about Zlatan by fellow Swedish international and Juventus winger, Dejan uh, <laughs> Kulisevsky. <laughs> that was a tough one. But he was asked about Zlatan after Juve's win over Milan on the 6th, which was the last game before Ibra's return. But he said, quote, I really hope he returns for international duty with Sweden at the Euros. It would be wonderful for me and all of Sweden. Come on, Ibra. So, Marcus, I ask you, is there any chance Zlatan plays for Sweden at the Euros in 2021? No. No? Ugh. Come on. No. I will. I, I hope you're wrong. If, you know, when Zlatan retired from Sweden, and I don't even remember when that was. Uh, it was a bit ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Um Many an international tournament has come and gone since that time. If Zlatan was going to return, wouldn't he have returned by now? Um, I think Zlatan might have retired from Sweden in 2014 or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's way too far, too late. Uh, whatever political pressure required to, and I mean political at the, uh, both inside Sweden's dressing room and in the halls of Sweden's football federation, 
whatever they would have needed to muster to bring back Zlatan. Uh, if they didn't have it, then, you know, Sweden made the World Cup in 2018. Uh, yeah. there was, Zlatan was nowhere to be found. If, if that pressure wasn't around then, I don't see where it would come from now or how it could come from now. Uh, no chance. None at all. Oh, I'm, sadly, I think you, you might be right, Marcus. Um, but let's move on to a happier topic which is our games of the weekend. Do, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Liverpool versus Manchester United. Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Manchester United is currently in first in the Premier League. Uh-huh. Do you remember uh, in the fall when... Uh, this guy was on, falling? Uh, yeah, you were... Uh, <laughs> You you were on this podcast talking about how bad Manchester United is and uh, their their slow start, and I'm sitting here like, well, Mark, we're only four weeks into the season. Let's <laughs> let's relax a little bit. Uh, Manchester United and Liverpool both played 17 games coming into this game. Manchester United 36 points, Liverpool in second with 33. Uh, first place on the line, uh, even if Liverpool wins. They would have to overcome a pretty hefty goal differential um, by my count. That is six plus three equals nine. Uh, so Liverpool would have to win by nine to take first place. But this is uh, this is the first time Manchester United has been on top of the league in January or later since 2013 when Sir Alex Ferguson was in charge. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now has uh, his group on top of the world, looking to dethrone Liverpool, which uh, Liverpool's won nine, drawn six, but uh, certainly looking a lot more um, natural as opposed to supernatural, uh, which is how they were playing a year ago. Um, they've fallen back to earth, and the Premier League uh, has a serious title race on its hands. There are... Five teams within four points of the top, six teams within six points, seven within seven points. So uh, there are, uh, and of course, the coronavirus has disrupted the schedule a bit. So, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a great title race. We're not mm-hmm. even uh, we're not even at the halfway point of the season yet, but uh, we can already make the call that the Premier League is going to be wild in the uh, next four plus months yeah manchester united has not lost a premier league match since november 1st versus arsenal and those teams have gone in opposite directions since that match but arsenal was struggling before then but whatever (laughs) and but it's been kind of uh it's been a weird rise in the premier league for man united because it's been riddled with losses in other competitions they got Kind of, uh, they they ended up in Europa League after not advancing out of the Champions League uh, group stage to the knockout rounds. They also lost uh, to Man City in the League Football League Cup. They're still in the FA Cup after winning uh, uh, last weekend over Watford. But so it's just been this uh, easy to get distracted by these losses uh, outside the Premier League by Man United. But uh, big test versus Liverpool. And Liverpool fighting to 
maintain their status as, you know, that first tier of clubs in the world. Um, and they, they're much more back down to earth now, although, you know, it's still impressive, like all the injuries they've dealt with and, and navigating the waters of defending the title. But yeah, it doesn't get any bigger. And it's great to have Liverpool and Man United competing at in this sort of match. Um, short of having fans back in the stands, this is pretty much the best thing that could happen, I think. Uh, but let's move on to my match of the weekend. And that is Inter versus Juventus. That's 2.45 p.m. on Sunday. So right after you're done watching Liverpool and Man United, you can then start watching Inter-Juventus. That'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, mainly, I just picked this because it's a top-four matchup in the Serie A. Serie A is very competitive. Juventus, seven, point back, seven points back of Milan, AC Milan. And, you know, kind of in jeopardy of not winning the Serie A for the first time in, you know, 100 years or whatever it's been. <laughs> um, and I am aware that Roma and Lazio play on Friday of this weekend, but I didn't pick that as my match of the week, Marcus, because Lazio is kind of okay. puttering is is puttering down in eighth place. Uh, but knowing Roma, they'll they'll pull out the win and Roma will slip out of the top four or something. Um but yeah, so that's my match of the weekend. Uh and Marcus, you know, there we have it. 30 minutes of a podcast and it flew by. Is there anything else you want to make sure we mention before we wrap it up here? No, I'm good. All right. Well, we hope that you all enjoyed listening to the Nesson Soccer Podcast this week and that you've been following along on iTunes and Spotify by searching Nesson Soccer Podcast in those apps. Also, you can catch all of our podcasts on Nesson.com slash podcast. Uh, where you can find not only the Nesson Soccer Podcast, but the entire Nesson Podcast Network. Uh, So we hope you subscribe, like, comment, share, and do all that good stuff to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you soon.